We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. Welcome to News Today with Dr. June Knight as your host on WITB. This is a WATB disclaimer. All right, Brad, good evening. I don't know this man. <laughs> It's so funny him showing up on there anyway. Brian, I I was not gonna go live, you know, until Monday, but something happened today and I'm like, oh Brian, y'all know I can't hardly all of y'all that know me, you know I can't hardly stand it. If I see something we need to talk about, I'm gonna have to go live. Something happened today in this, bride, and I've got to talk to you about this because we are coming off of a week-long conference where, uh, you know, Friday I did all day long, you know, talking about logos and branding and the image, and that one, that one is worth a million dollars because that is showing you what an image looks like because the Bible says in the last days they will worship the image. And so if you have not seen that, you need to see it because I think that's just as important as knowing who the Antichrist is because you have to understand what an image is and that's what that was. But anyway, so we did that and then we went into this conference all week and it was night and day uh, for three days where we studied the World Economic Forum and by the time we was finished with it, our brains were mush, <laughs> you know. Uh, but here's the thing though, is it confirmed 
hundred percent, bride. That what I've been telling you all this time is the truth. It confirms it. And on one side, it makes me want to cry so much for the church. Because they are being so deceived. So deceived. And it is so sad. Because families will be ripped apart and torn up over this. Uh, people will go to hell over this, bride. This, what is happening right now is not funny at all. It's very, very sad for people to be this deceived. It is very, very sad. And so, I mean, I don't know how else to get it out there better except try to hire people and to get people in here to help me express what I see through video and through other ways of uh, trying to get this message out there that they're on the brink of destruction in this country. And how to express that is a challenge. It really is in the communications world. So I'm sitting there listening to these top of the on, you know, the echelons or ever what that word is, the top of the food chain of the entire planet. I'm not, I'm not talking about just in the United States, Brad. I'm talking about the entire globe. We're talking China, Russia, United Arab Emirates, Israel, United States, Afghanistan. We're talking everybody, Korea, South Korea, everybody. This, this conference that we was a part of involved all, there is, there's nobody bigger than these people. President Trump is a small peon compared to these people. You know, this is no disrespect to him on that side, but I'm saying he is not more powerful than the entire globe. And watching this thing this week, considering all the things that I've read from President Trump's executive orders and then now Biden's executive orders, it is coming in like a freight train. So remember, Bride, as well, that if you're if you've been following me on Patreon, you know, this week I really loaded you up with some notes this week. And uh, I put you some words that we learned from uh, the conference this week. Words that you need to know, Brian. So today I'm just kind of, I took that lady to the airport, you know, Miss Kim, and took her to the Chattanooga airport. You know, of course, we was caught in traffic and everything. And we was talking about what we learned in the conference and everything. And, you know, we was just two, two ladies about the same age. And we was talking about the end of times and how much we've enjoyed getting to know one another. And 
you know, just having this little good, good little intimate, you know, woman to woman time. And we're, we're riding through Chattanooga and I'm like, look at these lights. There was so much 5G in Chattanooga. It was pathetic. It was like riding through uh, Atlanta. It was literally, I told her, I said, I can feel this in my throat. I can feel the 5G in my throat. Well, at first she thought I was crazy. And she's like, I don't feel anything. And it was probably about seven minutes later, she grabbed her head and almost screaming. She's like, my head, my head. She was feeling the uh, frequency, I guess, from 5G in her head. And uh, she's like, wow, it really is. I'm like, yes, I'm telling you, you know. And so I was showing her like the poles. Well, we saw some new uh, poles today that I've never seen before. And I'm like, what the world? One of them looked like um you know those tesla coils that i showed you the other day that's what they look like and i'm like what are these doing by a university you know but i mean i'm not an engineer so i'm not trying to figure it all that out but i am trying to tell you though that the surveillance grid that's going up around this planet is everywhere it is, I'm hearing reports from all over the world about the surveillance, the infrastructure that's going up right now into this world that we heard about this week. Um, and I'm telling you, Brad, those, those top people said a few things that's very alarming. Number one, they said, you are not going to stop what's coming. There is no one, even President Trump, that is going to stop this new world from coming together. He is not going to. They didn't say that, but I'm just telling you that's what they said, is that no one is going to stop what they're doing. No one is going to stop the advancement of the technology. And they talked about how... Um, a lot of the most all of the small businesses are going to be gone. A lot of the buildings, uh, I mean, the whole world is going to change in the very near future. You know, by 2030, this, this planet is not even going to look the same. It is not going to look the same. And so, um, I wanted to go live with you today because I was listening to this uh, press conference while I was cleaning out my office and I heard them say something, Brad, that I was like, oh no, because this is the first time I have been with Biden since January. So what is this? April, four months. I have been with him four months and I have not heard this word come from the White House until today. And I was like, that's it. I've got to go live and tell the bride because I have been warning you about words that you need to pay attention to, you know. And um, when they said this one, I was like, man, oh, man, 
does this just confirm what we learned this week at the World Economic Forum? Okay, so I'm going to play this and I'm going to stop. I'm going to be working here around my office because I think this video is an hour long. But they said a lot of things today, Brad, that you need to hear. All right, so here we go. to Michigan, strengthen its auto industry, successfully led effort in 2003 energy future. Secretary Granholm was the first woman elected governor of Michigan, serving two terms from 2003. Hold on, Brad, let me rewind. As governor, she successfully... We'll just start over. All right, here we go. future. Secretary Granholm was the first woman elected governor of Michigan, serving two terms from 2003 to 2011. As governor, she successfully led efforts to diversify the state's economy, strengthen its auto industry, preserve the manufacturing sector, and add emerging sectors, such as clean energy, to Michigan's economic portfolio. Today, one-third of all North American electric vehicle battery production takes place in Michigan. The state is one of the top five states with clean energy patents, and 126,000 Michiganders were employed in the clean energy sector. Notice the color of her dress. She also was the first woman elected Attorney General of Michigan and served as the state's top law enforcement officer from 1998 to 2002. As always, she can take a few questions. I'll be the bad cop and that. Turn it over to you. Great, great. I guess we're going to do a double binder stack here. Um, thank you so much. Jenna. This is a, the lady that's over the Department of Energy. Okay. Um, good afternoon, everybody. So, you know, I think that um, President Biden asked me to be the Secretary of Energy because um, I was the governor during a time when the auto industry was on its knees and when auto workers were finding themselves out of work through no fault of their own. I feel like I looked into the eyes of people who have been um, desperate and at a loss more times than I can count. And I was also governor when we invested to diversify Michigan's economy to build car 2.0, which is the electric vehicle and the guts to that vehicle, the battery. And now here we are 12 years later and General Motors is saying that their entire fleet is going to be electrified. It is uh, a huge distance that we've traveled. And so much of that is thanks to the decision by the federal government to invest in saving the backbone of the manufacturing industry, which was at that point the electric uh, or the vehicle industry. The Obama-Biden uh, efforts really made a statement and worked. And so we can do so much uh, more than what we did in Michigan, and this is what the American Jobs Plan is all about. I'm so... Pause. All right, Brian. I hate to be the <laughs> the one always sounded like I'm being negative, but they are spinning what they're doing. 
See, I know now what the big plan is. The big plan that we was a part of this weekend overrides the United States. It is bigger than us, bigger than our country. And what she's telling you right here about how, oh, they, they've changed all the cars over to, you know, to go electric and everything. And that started from Obama and Biden. And, you know, we're just so awesome because we do this. Well, Brad, let me tell you something. This is Agenda 2030. This was talked a lot, talked about a lot. They are going to all electric cars because they are going to be autonomical. They're going to be flying. They're going to be, see, they have created electricity that is going to be everywhere without having wires. So wireless electricity. And this is how, and this is all thanks to Tesla, but this is how they're going to be able to fly these cars. I mean, the technology they have come up with now is really phenomenal. And so I just want you to hear, okay, how they're spinning this, because this is one way they're spinning. I'm going to stop it every time I hear a spin. Okay, so this is one, the, the green... The energy cars. I feel so um, happy for America that we have a president who wants to invest in our country and in our workers and in our manufacturing. And so, to me, first of all, to say that you're proud of your president because he wants to invest in his country. He is not investing in the United States. See, this is why I am even more convinced more than ever that President Trump is a farce, a farce all the way around, an everlasting farce. Because now that we've had this conference, I realize that his whole slogan was a farce that make America great again. He was making us look stupid, Brad, because they have been doing their forward campaign, uh, you know, the future we want since 2015. He come in in 2016 and became president, was, you know, put in in 2017. So that make America great again, you know, is pandering to what they want to get rid of. Now, just hear me out before you think this woman is flipped. But just hear me out because he knew all of this, of their what they're planning on doing. And he turns around to the ones that are the archaic world that they don't want anything to do with. They do not want that old antiquated way that we do things, which includes God, which includes naturalness, which includes um, prayer and faith and independence with the Lord. They don't want that no more than man on the moon. 
So he was a farce because he pandered to that. He, he knew that the church wanted the old America back, the one that was wholesome and holy, you know, that we thought was holy, which of course the black people said it never was to them. So that's why they hated that make America great again, because to them, they said it was never great. But to us, to the evangelicals or whatever, just, you know, America was great to us. We have always considered it a Christian nation. And we felt like, you know, things were done around Christianity. But according to these globalists, they see us as white, uh, white evangelical Christianity, which in their minds, they see us as superior, where we think we're superior. And um, old mindsets, we're not tolerant. Uh, you know, we're just antiquated because we don't, you know, we keep with the Bible. We keep the old mindset, the old America. Now, we all know that the black church is really a lot more liberal. If you will see, first of all, let me just clarify this, that the church the evangelicals that they try to label as the white evangelicals. Okay. I am white and I've never claimed that we was in a white church. I have not ever seen a church that says white evangelical church to us that are white. We've seen that it was the blacks that separated themselves, which of course they're saying that they did because they wanted uh, to have their support with one another and to celebrate their culture at the same time, which, I mean, I get it. But they're the ones that have the name on it. You know, they're the ones that have separated and made the name. We didn't. Ours are diverse, you know, type of deal. But anyways, the point is, is that the in overall picture, the black church is more liberal. And so when they say the white evangelicals, it's the mindset of the way that we think. And okay, let me give you an example. All right. We think like, okay, we think like the Waltons, you know, and Little House on the Prairie and, you know, the country life and, and God and country and uh, you know, we, we're capitalists, you know, and we can be anything we want to be. He's the God of the impossible. And, you know, if we want to own a business, we can own a business. We can go back to college. You know, we can preach the gospel. We can do anything we want to do. Well, that is not what they want at all. So Trump pandered to the people that they want to get rid of. And I mean, now that it's all said and done, it makes sense so much how he has just, and I have to really pray that I don't get bitter about it because uh, after, you know, watching that this week and all the things that they're doing and planning and, oh, uh, you know, the way that their mind thinks as the global unit you know, just 
proves so much that he is that he okay even if he was legit even if he was legit and he is a nationalist and he don't want nothing to do with the UN and he never spoke at Davos and he never had anything to do with the UN and he fought the globalists and fought the Democrats and he's a the good right kind of the America first and he's fighting for the Christians and he's a warrior and he's going to help us get our country back in the, in the way that we used to think the good old fashioned God and country values. You know, if he was that there is no way he would make it in the upper echelons. No way. Because uh, he just wouldn't make it up there because the whole world is shifting. The whole world is turning. So he is just working right alongside them to keep the church pandered down, to keep them pressed down and dumb so that they don't see what is really happening. You know, he's stifling them by pandering to their desire of having God and country and having this country, uh, you know, Christian again, which a lot of them have given that up. But so um, let's go ahead and listen to a little bit more of this and we'll you'll see what I'm talking about in a second. One moment. The fact that there is out there globally a $23 trillion market for clean energy products, for products that will reduce greenhouse gas emissions, is a massive opportunity for this country. And you better believe that other countries are seeing that opportunity as well. And our economic competitors are working to corner the market on those opportunities. Countries like China are pressing their foot on the Look at this woman. I want you to look again. She is doing the the famous thing that they do is is having two people fight each other. So look what she's telling them. She's saying, "Oh, all this climate change, all the parts that are happening right now and you know that we've got all these other countries that are trying to you know, uh, trying to outdo us like China. You know, Brian, we've got to see through this farce. First of all, that's going back to having us fight against China. They're trying to get America behind this total globalist uh, White House that we have right now. And that's what we have right now is the UN. This whole thing that they're talking about is the plan of the UN. So let's continue. Pedal and revving up their electric engines, and they are thrilled to see that the United States is standing still while they are working to create jobs for their people. Um, when I, after I was finished being governor, I traveled to China to see their, um, their clean energy um, efforts. It was with a group. And we went to um, a city, and I was standing next to the mayor of the city in China. And during a demonstration, he leaned over to me and he said, so when do you think the United States is going to get a 
clean energy plan. And at this point, this was several years ago, I said, you see, the world has changed. Oh, you don't Lord. need to sell at events and galleries anymore. You can go directly to your customers. Sorry, Brad. Hold it, hold it. It's difficult in Congress to get consensus. And he just looked at me and he smiled. And he said, take your time. Take your time. Because they saw our passivity as their opportunity. And it's not just in China, it's in other countries too. Understandably, countries want to corner this market on clean energy products because we have 195 countries who have committed to lowering their greenhouse gas emissions. So the question is, where are those products going to be built and who are they going to be built by? And it's going to take a lot of work, literally. We need millions of people in the United States working to lower greenhouse gas emissions. And we all know that in the 21st century, making sure that we have the right infrastructure is critical. Infrastructure I... is, yes, roads and bridges, but it is ports and airports, and it is trains, and it is the pipes that pump water into our homes, and it is the broadband that brings the world and learning to our children. It's the broadband that brings uh, economic opportunity to our businesses. Of course, it's the electrical grid that keeps the lights on after what happened in Texas. Can anybody really doubt that electricity and the electric? Yes, and can't you see how we have to redo the entire infrastructure of the United States? How can you doubt that we don't need all of this? Yes. Do you see how she is pandering? This is what I'm trying to tell you, Brad. They are trying to get you to go along with this agenda, which we really have no choice. But I am just telling you that they are partnering with what everybody else is doing out there. Let's continue grid is part of the foundation of who we are as a nation and we need to invest in it if we want to make sure power keeps coming to our homes there's an interesting um poll that was done in february by consumers reports and they found yeah, that she is 76 percent of americans think that broadband is as important as electricity and water water so 76% of Americans think that broadband is just as important as electricity and water. No. We heard them saying in the World Economic Forum, when it comes to the broadband, this is why they're putting satellites all over space. They want to have broadband so that they can monitor you. They need better internet. This that they're building, Brad, is for what they're putting together uh, in this great infrastructure. Yeah, what the world, Cheryl. That's right, what the world. So let's continue. I just want you to hear, Brad, how they spin this. 
because I am telling you what I heard at the World Economic Forum and the plan that they have. All the and then something else I want you to consider, Brian. When President Trump was in, he is the one that put I don't know how much money, billions into changing the infrastructure, especially last year. How many remembers me telling you, oh, he took over the he took over the power grid. He took over transportation department. He took over our water. He took over this. He took over that. And then finally, I told you, I said, Brian, this man this year has taken over every industry in our country. And he did. Brian, they are working together. Do you see them continuing what President Trump has been doing? Yes. But are they telling you from the mainstream media that what he did back then with the infrastructure? Probably not. But I did because I read you those bills. Let's continue. I mean, how can we not agree that broadband is infrastructure? And yet we have been disinvesting in infrastructure as a, as a nation for decades in infrastructure, in research and development, and in manufacturing. All of them we have been disinvesting in. Infrastructure, as you know, is now the smallest share of our economy since World War II. We are at a 72-year low with respect to manufacturing. Research and development has been dropping since the 1960s. China and our economic com competitors are investing in research and development because they want to seize the future. They want to surpass <laughs> the United States. What a farce. What a farce. She is pushing this. Do you hear what she's saying, Bride? This competitive uh, presentation that they give you like, oh, our competitors are doing this. We've got to turn around and do this. We've got to. So let's continue. Allow that to happen. We will be weaker as a nation and we will fall. And we cannot do that. And that's what this American Jobs Plan is all about. So we can't just sit around saying we need to do this. It's bipartisan. We know that Republicans and Democrats, it's a joke in Washington, Infrastructure Week. And Democrats and Republicans have been making that joke, but it's not a joke anymore. We need to get it done. And there is bipartisan support for these elements, these basic elements. So starting on uh, Inauguration Day, just to say a word about what DOE, Department of Energy, has been doing. We've been rolling out efforts uh, to research and development and deploy clean energy technologies um, with an eye toward creating jobs. Uh, and if the American Jobs Plan passes, this will be able to be put on steroids. So in the past two weeks, just as an example, we made two announcements um, on research, one, one on research and one on deployment of offshore wind. The research one was to cut the cost of solar by half yet again in the next 10 years. And on offshore wind, it was to add 30 gigawatts of offshore wind energy on the Atlantic uh, seaboard again within 10 years. Today, we are announcing another two, two uh, funding opportunities 
for clean energy technology. One of them is to create next generation biofuels for airplanes and ships. Notice our hands. Electrify. And the second is to announce clean energy technology funding opportunity to reduce methane emissions from the coal, oil, and gas industry. And as many of you know, methane is an extremely potent and dangerous greenhouse gas. But these investments <laughs> are really just a down payment on what we need to do as a nation. And the American Jobs Project will take us the rest of the way. And I... Um, I want to rewind that just a minute. I want to hear what number one was. Let's hear this again. All right. I have yet again in the next 10 years. And on offshore wind, it was to add 30 gigawatts of offshore wind energy on the Atlantic uh, seaboard again within 10 years. Today, we are announcing another two, two uh, funding opportunities for clean energy technology. One of them is to create next generation biofuels for airplanes and ships, which are very hard to electrify. And the second is to announce clean energy technology funding opportunity to reduce methane emissions from the coal, oil, and gas industry. And as many of you know, methane is an extremely potent and dangerous greenhouse gas. But these investments are really just a down payment on what we need to do as a nation and the American Jobs Project will take us the rest of the way. And I um, want to emphasize the, the because I've been meeting with so many stakeholders on this, the, the true importance of ensuring that 40% of the benefits of the American Jobs Plan go to communities that have been left behind or unseen, people who have um, been in the shadows of power plants and whose children have to gasp to breathe or use an inhaler. We need to remedy a moral wrong and make those investments and the American Jobs Plan will allow us to do that. It's a once in a century investment to seize a once in a century opportunity. That's what the people elected Joe Biden to do and we've waited far too long to do it. So we're gonna get it done. We're gonna put America to work and I'm happy to take any questions. All right, here we go. Listen, Brad. Yeah, you, uh, some of you may recall there was a bipartisan commission on what to do about spent nuclear fuel. There has to be a consent-based hand to be able to do that. We are beginning that work inside of the Department of Energy. We have to find a solution, but it has to be based on, you know, community agreement. We'll, we'll make an announcement. We'll be making an announcement on that. Not ready to say yet. Uh, 
do that for that R&D, that extensive R&D, the modernization system arsenal? We have to modernize the nation's nuclear arsenal. We have to keep and maintain the stockpile to make sure that it is safe. Did you hear that word, Brad? We have to modernize our stockpile. What did I tell you about that word? Modernizing. That is a key merger word. Modernizing, merging with other countries. All right, let's continue. And effective, and we will continue to do that to ensure that we can um, deter nuclear aggression from other countries. So our nuclear deterrent is important, and it is embedded in the values of that stockpile, and we'll make sure that our people are safe. Thank you so much. After you talk about the corporate tax rate and what they want to do with this infrastructure bill, can this infrastructure bill be successful with a 25% corporate tax rate? You know, as the president has said, this is a negotiation, and he really does want to hear from Democrats and Republicans about what would be acceptable to get this across the line. Um, so there is room for negotiation. His point is that it has to be paid for, and so if it's not a 28%, what, what else is it? And we're very um, encouraged by, by those who have been bringing ideas forth, and we are hopeful that, especially when Congress gets back uh, next week, that those discussions can begin in earnest. Thank you. Um, you're one of the five cabinet secretaries that the president's tasked with engaging with Congress on this. You mentioned the president's willing to negotiate. He says he's open to alternative ways to pay for this if Republicans put forth any in your conversations at all. Have you heard any such alternatives from Republican members? Um, I have. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to make announcements for them. They obviously want to bring forth their own ideas, but I have good alternatives, yes. And the president also asked you to, to help uh, engage the public in selling this plan. Um, you haven't hit the road yet, though. Is that something that you plan to do in the coming weeks? Well, we're going to be um, taking our guidance uh, you know, from the White House in terms of what's safe, etc. We've certainly been hitting the Zoom uh, and uh, and making our case through that and phones. So, We'll see, you know, how it goes. There is a, a period of time that um, we have to be able to do this, but we want to make sure that it's safe. Yeah. Um, in terms of the negotiations, the discussions with Congress, is there a deadline? Is there a time frame that where this turns into a pumpkin, or you just go it alone? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you want to answer that, Jen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that they said that they would like to see progress by Memorial Day, um, and hopefully we can start to see that, but obviously those meetings have to begin uh, in earnest next week. Thank you. What do you say to a... If I don't want to make a video like what this... What a farce! <laughs> I can just make a really cute what one a caricature with me. Hi, I'm Brett Callen, and in this video... Americans working in the oil and gas industry in California and elsewhere who say that these have been good paying jobs that have given them access to the middle class. And what, if anything, can the federal government 
do to ensure that these clean energy jobs like the ones that you described are as good as the ones that they'll be replacing? Yeah, this is a great question. And we this is why the American Jobs Plan is very um, specifically targeting communities in coal and power plant areas in gas and, uh, and natural gas. There are billions of dollars in this bill for the technologies that will reduce CO2 emissions in, in, those, in those industries. For example, carbon capture, use and sequestration, I don't mean to get too technical, but uh, hydrogen deployment and demonstration projects. I've been talking with my counterparts around the world. There is a huge appetite for a partnership with America on these next generation technologies that will reduce CO2 emissions from that kind of baseline power. Those jobs in those kind of technologies are good paying jobs. Those are jobs that are going to be for welders and sheet metal workers and all of the trades. And we're going to, as we put out funding opportunities, ensure that there are project labor agreements, that the people who are working in them are paid uh, under Davis-Bacon, are paid prevailing wage. So we want to create good paying jobs all across the country, and there will be millions of them if this is passed. The opportunities, this is why we've been having a huge um, number of discussions with our uh, brothers and sisters in the labor movement, in the building trades, to make sure that we do this in a way that gives their workers opportunity, and it will, and that's why they're supportive of it. Well, I kind of have a problem with this, Brad. I have a problem with this, and let me tell you why. When we was at the uh, conference, they made the statement that robots are going to take over the industries. So there will not be labor jobs. There will be robots. So why would the labor she is the energy, the director of the energy uh, department of energy. So why would the labor department go along with this? I mean, the future jobs that are coming, Brad, are going to be creative jobs. They're not going to be labor jobs. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is uh, going to be like creating avatars and creating 3d prints and everything's going to be online you know and i just cannot stress it enough bright again that what i've been telling you about president trump about excuse me about biden about what's even bigger than both of them is the world merging that the new world order is here and let me tell you something else that I found out that was very interesting, Brad. And it made it made a lot of sense, too, as to how things may be a little bit different than the way we thought they was going to be based on old movies or based on our understanding of what the Bible said. Okay, like, we thought, okay, when you look at eschatology, the end of times, which is what my specialty is, okay? All right, you look at the end of times and you look at the way that we have a picture in our head of how all this is going to happen, okay? 
when we think of the new world order and this leader comes on the scene, which is the Antichrist, and this leader takes over the world and everybody comes under this one world leader. So was you thinking like me that all the countries were going to come under the UN and every country would lose all their sovereignty and you know what I mean? Like every country would just be called the UN, like just one name, the UN. One, one world order, one group. But let me tell you what I actually am finding out, Brad. It's diabolical. It is diabolical how they're doing it. It is nothing like that. Let me, what they're doing, Brad, I can see now how they're deceiving so many people. Because let me tell you how they're doing it. They are gutting the countries from the inside out. They're gutting them. So they're, they're, they're keeping the outer visual that the, the people in the countries can see where they can think that they still have what they've always had, but it's really not true. And then all of these things are just going to creep up on them and they're going to be swallowed up by this new world. It's not going to be the way we thought where it's that blatant in your face. It's the UN. It is gutting and changing. What they're doing is they're going in these countries and they are getting these countries to do exactly what we're seeing our government do right now. You're looking at it. You are looking at how they're forming this new world order because they are using your very own people to go in there and to make their laws and to blend. Okay. In other words, put it like this. Okay. Let's say that you are a major corporation. Okay. Let's say you're Walmart and you have a base set of rules and then you've got, you know, a hundred other businesses under you, which are like countries. Okay. They all have their own little, you know, if you can think of the way franchises are, they've got their own little rules but they still go by the base. They still go by the, the main rules of this top organization. That is what you're looking at. They still have a little bit of a personality where they can say that they're separate, but really they're all the same. That is what's happening right now. So every one of the countries are working towards, let me tell you, climate change. This is what you're seeing right now. They're working towards climate change. They're working towards um, inclusion. That was said a lot this week. Inclusion. They're working for the uh, One Tree and Trees project. They're working towards the circular economy. The circular economy is where 
they're starting to everything will be recycled there will not be all this trash that we have in junkyards everything will be recycled even your human body uh everything is going to feed off itself i don't it's hard to explain except i every time i think about it i think about that uh song with the lion king the circle of life you know uh but it's where it's a circular economy and then we also learned a lot about the digital world that's changing the digital world that's changing was oh man did i learn so much brad because i i am not really versed in bitcoin so i learned a lot about how they do bitcoin and how we learned a lot about their actual structure of how they're doing bitcoin so this is all coming on the scene brad and then i just think about president trump and he's pandering to the and you know you think about it just just flow with me a minute okay he's pandering to the older people in the country who wanted to get america back the way it was and who are the ones dying off right now the older generation you know i'm not even gonna say how or you know where i'm going with that 80 percent. okay we'll leave it there but all the older ones are dying off so they're re-educating they really talked about that this week in the conference they are getting ready to do a massive massive re-education campaign where they want to educate society and our government's going to be all up on this where they are wanting to re-educate society to embrace technology because they stressed many times that because of the v last year the whole last year agenda it opened the door for society to embrace technology on a deeper level so they're going to give you things they're going to spoon feed the beast to you it's i don't think it's going to be like the way that we always thought i think it's going to be uh where they because the way that they explained it is they're going to give you this one thing and then they're going to keep adding and keep adding it's going to be in layers like waves in layers you know but in the meantime while they're gutting every country on the planet they still have president trump because the biggest group that would have if they would have had good leaders the biggest group that would have been the biggest hindrance to the beast coming together they got them they pulled they did the slickest campaign to pull them in so that they would not uh revolt and they they swallowed the church up through trump and caused them to go along with everything trump did 
Trump cussed our God and said the GD word in a public uh, platform. I'm just telling you how sick the church is. That he could cuss our God at a rally in front of millions of people, in front of children, in front of all the people there, in front of the evangelicals there, and they still made excuses for him. What a vomit. Much less all of his other connections. You know, I know I keep harping on this, but the evangelicals, the ones that they know would have been a hindrance to them going forward with their plans of the 2030, Agenda 2030, is the ones they cater to. No wonder they didn't have as much of a fight over the past four years while they were uh, having a seat at the table and bragging about all the worship taking place at the White House and the prayer and, you know, all this is because of exactly where we're at. Those very ones are the ones telling people to participate in this agenda. In the end, they turned around and stabbed everybody else in the back is what happened. And to this day, President Trump knowing what the what all these countries are doing is directly opposite of what he's saying. And he is still telling the church who is still believing him that he is in four years. This is what's terrible, Brad. In four years, he's going to come back and he's going to save everybody. And we're going to get the old America. We're going to go back to the old days and make America great again. Absolutely not, Brad. This world is a future they all want. And this is an antichrist system. None of them are fighting for you. Not a one. So I just wanted to come on here tonight and show you this. They're already saying the language of the merger. They're already talking modernization. And that's what that is. I have been telling you this for months now. And, you know, I could show you the whole hour. You can watch it later. You'll hear how they talk. And so I just wanted to come on here tonight while I was taking a little break from putting this office together. And I just wanted to talk to you in a very serious uh, way that this thing is steamrolling. And if I can plead to any person out there who is still hanging on to the belief by Trump, to the false image that Trump is presenting, that you will have this old America back, that he's going to fight for you. He's the poor, beat-down, whip puppy. And only because he's been fighting for you is he so beat down. That is a false image from the pits of hell. I'm telling you, Brad. That old America is gone and will never return. You've got to let that go. And so... Um, but if there is somebody out there that would at least just, you know, pay attention, just step back for a minute and listen, just step back and look at the situation as a whole and forget about all of the drama that's out there and just think of things in a common sense way. Think about it. 
all them ministers that promoted and said that he was going to get another term. He did not get it. You've been duped. There's no other way to put it. You have been duped. And guess what? Just to let you know, I was duped. I was duped until the Lord uh, revealed to me how he does not partner with that. But he, he had to show me. He had to put me in there. And he had to let me be in the circle so that I could see inside and I could see what was really happening. I would have never known that if I would have stayed in Nashville, Tennessee. I would have never seen it. But God took me all the way up there with $9 in a suitcase to show me. You know, this is what's happening up here. You know, all of y'all think that he is fighting for you when he is, do he is doing directly the opposite. Okay, so you can go back and look at this, Brian, but there's a couple other things I want to show you that's happening. All right, let's look at here. There is a church in Canada that uh, is being harassed. So look at this. Fences went up around Grace Life Church Wednesday morning. As AHS physically closed the building west of Edmonton for flouting the promises, I mean the provinces, COVID-19 health restrictions. So listen to this report. Listen to this. Good afternoon, everyone. Alberta Health Services has taken new action against Grace Life Church. This morning, along with the assistance of RCMP, AHS installed physical barriers around the church. Numerous orders have been ignored by the entity prompting the closure. Global's Kim Smith joins us live from Parkland County now, where a crowd is growing. Kim, describe the mood and situation over there. Yeah, hi, Vanessa. At times it was tense this morning. Uh, right now, supporters of Grace Light Church are uh, just standing around outside uh, in front of the road that's blocked off to the church, and they're talking to security and some of the RCMP officers. Uh, right now, things do appear quite calm. RCMP on scene, as well as AHS, a private security company, as well as the fence company who set up a barrier all around the church. Uh, plenty of media here as well this morning. So the road in front of the church is blocked off. And again, there's a few layers of fencing that have been set up uh, around the entire church. Police showed up here around 7.30 this morning in a statement. AHS says it has physically closed Grace Life Church and has prevented access to the building until the church can demonstrate the ability to comply with restrictions from Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health. Now, Grace Life Church has been regularly defying the rules since December. Uh, our community ah! has seen people entering the church on numerous occasions, not wearing masks, as well as hugging outside of the church. Pastor what? James Coates spent time in jail for breaking COVID-19 health measures. Now, under a wow. masks are mandatory, and churches are restricted to 15% capacity. The church and a pastor are set to appear in court 
and many charges violating measures under the Public Health Act. Uh, I did speak to RCMP. They weren't able to tell us how long they anticipate on being out here, but of course we will be following this throughout the day and uh, moving forward, Dinesh. Certainly a lot of people watching what's unfolding there. Kim, thank you so much. You're welcome. I would like to see what's on their website, wouldn't you, Brian? Because, you know, a lot of us, we're pretty leery of these Grace churches. Let's check this out. All right, Grace, Life, Church. Here we go. Let's check this out. Grace, Life, Church shuttered by authorities after months of flattering. All right, here's the church. All right. Website. All right. Public statement. <laughs> Let's check out their public statement. Let's see if I can make this any bigger. Okay, here we go. Public statement. Dear fellow Albertans, it goes without saying this has been an incredible, difficult 11 months. The effects and ramifications of COVID-19 on our precious province are not insignificant. We sympathize with everyone who has suffered loss in this time, whether it be the loss of a loved one or loss stemming from government lockdowns, such as economic loss or suffering as a result of being denied necessity health care. Given the attention our church has received in recent days, we want to address the broader public on our reasons for gathering as a local church. What follows is not a theological defense. We have already addressed that sufficiently here, 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 and here. <laughs> And it is primarily and predominantly obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that has shaped our stance. All right, now. Instead, what follows will shed light on our approach to what is being called a pandemic. The reason we put pandemic in quotes is because the definition of a pandemic was changed about 10 years ago. At one time, a pandemic was defined as an infectious disease that resulted in a certain percentage of excess deaths over and above normal annual averages. The definition was changed in connection with H1N1 to remove this threshold. Oh, wow, I didn't know this. Ten years ago, COVID-19 would not have qualified as a pandemic. Oh, no way. No way. Did y'all know this, Brad? Did anybody out there know this? I did not know this. Who else knew this? So let's continue. In fact, not even close. When COVID-19 first appeared, we shifted to live stream and abided by most of the new government guidelines for our gatherings. But when the first declared public health emergency ended, we opened our doors and returned to nearly normal gatherings on Sunday, June 21st, 2020. 
We did so recognizing COVID-19 was much less severe than the government had initially projected. This sentiment was reflected in the assessment of the premier of Alberta, who deliberately referred to COVID-19 as influenza multiple times in a speech announcing the end of the first declared public health emergency. In early July, it was brought to our attention that two separate individuals had attended our gatherings on two consecutive Sundays. Wow. Just to turn them in. And subs- oh, okay, and subsequently tested positive for the virus, both cases being unrelated to each other. At that time, we did our own internal contact tracing prior to AHS notifying us of the exposure. Many of our congregants were tested, and it was determined that no transmission of the virus had taken place. Out of an abundance of caution, we shifted exclusively to live stream and shut down all ministries for two weeks, 14 days. We did this to mitigate any further spread of the virus. When it was evident that no further spread had taken place, we resumed our nearly normal gatherings. Since then, we have gathered as a church each Sunday without incident, 28 Sundays to date. Having engaged in an immense amount of research, interacting with both doctors and frontline healthcare workers, It is apparent that the negative effects of the government lockdown measures on society far surpass the effects of COVID-19. The science being used to justify lockdown measures is both suspect and selective. In fact, there is no empirical evidence that lockdowns are effective in mitigating the spread of the virus. We are gravely concerned that COVID-19 is being used to fundamentally alter society and strip us of all our civil liberties. By the time the so-called pandemic is over, it is ever permitted to be over. If it is ever permitted to be over, Albertans will be utterly relying on government instead of free prosper. Well, I just want to tell all of you this. That is the way it's going to be. I am telling you this flat. You know, the panelist that was doing the World Economic Forum conference here, after it was all over, we was talking, you know, we have really taken it for granted, Brad, that we was a free country. You have no idea what we're fixing to go into. Lockdown in prison is not even the word for it. This new world they want to create is they want everybody secluded in a glass house, basically, is what they want. They don't want you having intimacy or having a closeness with people. It is, it's a terrible, it's like being in hell, really. Uh, So just what he's saying right here, by the time the so-called pandemic is over, if it's ever permitted to be over, Albertans will be utterly relying on government instead of free, prosperous, and independent. Well, I'm telling you right now, that's exactly the way it is right now. That's exactly the way it is headed to right now, Brad. That right there, that sentence, is what we learned from the World Economic Forum. They do not want you free, they don't want you prosperous, and they don't want you independent. They want you dependent upon the government. 
They will pay everything. All you have to do is obey. And you have to be in surveillance all the time. And remember what I told you about Israel. Israel is about to roll out their first city that they are going to make. And they said it's going to be like the Truman Show. They are going to have autonomous vehicles. And isn't it funny to you, Bride, that Israel is the one that's always the first in everything. And they are the most sophisticated in technology. Well, they're fixing to do the city of drones, the city of autonomous vehicles, the, the biggest city in the world of surveillance. I mean, that last sentence is exactly what is coming. As such, we believe love for our de neighbor demands we exercise our civil liberties. We do not see our actions as perpetuating the longevity of COVID-19. Well, let me just make this little announcement. That is what the mainstream media is saying about the church. They are saying that we are the reason they're not going to be able to come back. They are going to blame it on you, Brad. Of course, not the ones that cave in and get the V. I'm talking about the ones who hold strong and do not do this. You're going to be a criminal and you're going to be very much hated in the very near future. And this is the bride that I am praying and strengthening. That I am, I am telling you the truth to give you uh, the strength and the fortitude to be able to finish your mission. Because we all have something to do by God in these last days. And the greatest mission you will have right now, Brad, is your body. Is giving God the glory with your natural body. Keeping him as the king of your domain. Give, and, and allowing him to have the lock to your door. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is holy. He is pure. And he is the one that owns this. So we have to stand. Uh, we have to be strong. So let's continue here. He says... Okay, or if any virus that will inevitably come along, if anything, we see our actions as contributing to its end, the end of destructive lockdowns and the end of any attempt to institutionalize the debilitating fear of viral infections. Our local church is clear evidence that governmental lockdowns are unnecessary. In fact, it is also evidence of how harmful they are. Without going into detail, we recently lost the life of one of our precious congregants who was denied necessary health care due to government lockdown measures. Wonder how that could happen. Huh, that's, I wonder what that means. Consider the following statistics. It's alleged that 129,075 Albertans have tested positive for the virus. 
that works out just less than 3% of the population. However, it needs to be pointed out that PCR tests being used to test for COVID is fraught with false positives. This is especially true since at least until recently, Alberta was running the PCR test at 40 amplifications. As such, the number of Albertans who have actually contracted the virus is likely significantly less. It is also vital to highlight that more than 99% of those who contract the virus will fully recover. Alberta, and then they go into this long thing. Okay, well, God help these people and God bless them. Bless this church, Lord. Oh, look at this. Death looms over all of us, but there is a message of concrete hope in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Michelle says, this is on Facebook, a city in my state is starting to give $500 to a certain amount of people or families for the next 18 months. Well, that is what we're going to see, Brad. We are going to see uh, a lot of people actually cave to money like that. Remember, Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum said the non-vax people were a threat to humanity. Uh, well, let's move on to the next little news thing I have for you. Look at this. Okay, no, I guess that was it. I guess that is, Brad. Well, I am going to go back over here. Uh, I don't even know who that is. Okay, I'm going to go back over here. I'm actually finished with tonight's broadcast. I've said what I need to say. But I do want to finish this and let y'all stay. I may stop it here and there to point out words they say, but I've said the main things that I want to say tonight if you need to get off here because I'll be working in the office for a while, so I'd like to listen to this again while I'm working. And you can just listen with me if you'd like. Uh, but I just want to point out to you, Brad, that... Um, to me, it's official. To me, it is, after going to that conference this week, it is. I just, first of all, I want to thank God for him confirming that the insight that he has given me about what is happening right now is absolutely true. Because that gives me the strength to continue on and to try to yell it from the rooftops as the ship is sinking uh, because the Titanic is surely sinking. And so, you know, if I can reach just one person, then it'll be worth it. So let's go ahead and listen here.
next generation biofuels for airplanes and ships. When, which would you expect something like that to come online? I mean, we'll see planes flying. Yeah. Okay, let me pause right there because they're asking her about the fuel and biofuels and all this. Well, let me tell you this, Brad. They are getting rid of fuel. They're, they're getting rid of fuel. And uh, there will not be vehicles. There, there will be those types of vehicles, the electric ones. Uh, it's just going to be a different world. So let's hear what she says here. Uh, well, it's going to take, I mean, obviously we got to get started on it. And this is a research uh, opportunity. It is not a deployment opportunity. But there, because uh, funding opportunities really accelerate so much uh, appetite for the technology, and because there have been a lot of breakthroughs, in fact, the airline industry itself has been investing in next-generation biofuels uh, to be able to demonstrate that it can be used. So, uh, you know, without saying specifically, I think in, certainly within five to ten years, we will be able to see this uh, deployed and available for both shipping and for air. Last question, Nancy. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering how you're talking about how these, the American uh, jobs might get cost to create the jobs. I'm wondering what levers that the federal government has uh, to ensure that those jobs will be, you know, a certain wage scale, have benefits. Like, what can you do to enforce that? Yeah, I mean, as, as we know, the, the federal government has many mechanisms for pushing out funding, and that includes bidding on projects, and that includes passing. Uh, passing it through for in competitions, etc. In those opportunities, you can put, you know, attach strings to make sure that these are good-paying jobs, that they have project labor agreements, etc. And so, I know it is, and it's true with respect to the federal government's buying power as well as procurement uh, power. We want to make sure that we create good-paying jobs for all kinds of people in every pocket of America. And that means good paying union jobs. So we're going to use every every lever possible to be able to do that, including if you want to bid on this, you've got to make sure that you have project labor, labor agreement. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good luck. Oh, sorry. Okay. <clears throat> Couple items at the top. Um, as President Biden noted in a proclamation issued on Sunday, we're marking Holocaust Remembrance Day this week. Today, we rededicate ourselves to standing in solidarity with the Jewish people in America. Which really bothers me. That really hurt me as a citizen of our country. That they're going to take Easter, the biggest holiday of the year, for Christians which we know it is Resurrection Day, but they call it Easter. And he's going to send out a little thing, a big deal for the Jews for this and not a thing for Easter. You know, it was just, uh, you know, a sign of where they're going with all this, but let's continue. Israel and around the world, and to remembering the horrors of the Holocaust. 
an estimated 6 million Jews perished along, alongside millions of other innocent victims uh, around, around the world. Uh, we honor the memories of precious lives lost, reflect on the incomprehensible wounds to our humanity and the lessons learned, and mourn for the communities broken and scattered. And we embrace Holocaust survivors, some of whom are still with us. They deserve our continued support to live in dignity. Uh, with that, short, short top, I only have one today. Go ahead. And a secretary. legislation uh, introduced in past uh, Congresses and we certainly hope and he's calling for uh, members to reintroduce legislation on uh, light gun liabilities for manufacturers. It is an issue that he talked about on the campaign trail and he continues to believe that addressing that holding manufacturers to the same account as other industries is pivotal in keeping our community safe, keeping our families safe and addressing the threat of gun violence across the country. Uh, so what he, if he is calling for is for the introduction of legislation, of which there has been past versions. Uh, I will say that this has been an issue that the president has been working on for decades throughout his career. He helped pass the Brady Bill. He helped uh, get uh, get uh, ban assault weapons uh, back in the 90s. He believes that taking additional steps on background checks, that putting in place an assault weapons ban again are pivotal to keeping our country safe. He strongly supports the background check bills, the two that have passed the House. It is imperative for any president to walk into a gun at the same time, to continue to push for, to advocate for, to use uh, the bully pulpit of the Rose Garden to push forward uh, a range of agenda items. And he certainly will continue to do that on putting in place common sense gun safety measures. Sequencing is important here, essentially acknowledging that maybe if the president belongs to you, maybe Congress can't, and the president decides to put infrastructure uh, uh, before gun control for climate change for some of these other issues. Why is why are guns not going before infrastructure? Well, Congress ha plays the role, the Senate and the House, in moving legislation forward. And at any given time, there are multiple pieces of legislation moving their way through committees, moving their way through the House, moving their way to the Senate. There are two background check bills that have passed the House that can move to the Senate. He certainly is an advocate for those, while at the same time being an advocate for moving forward on the American. I just want to point out something else, Brad. Do y'all not think it's very odd? You know, this is what I'm talking about, about just look, sitting back and looking at this common sense, okay? You got this administration that took over that President Trump says is just so absolutely evil. Okay. They took this over. And then can you answer why the Republicans are just cooperating with them so much and why they're able to get all this stuff done? Why are the Republicans working with them? Why is there so much bipartisanship going on? Do you know what I'm saying? People need to think about this stuff. 
All right, let's continue. American Jobs Plan. There's no outrunning 5G, and it's rolling out as we speak. Instead of trying to beat it, I think we need to transcend it. So the term moonshot the term for our time and coordinating together. We've got all the best tools we've ever had as a species. This is actually a perfect opportunity for us to wake up. Whereas we think it's astral projection now has to do with more complex and subtle levels of psychic awareness. No way. Well, I'm not going to get ahead of. We rebuke that new age stuff. We don't receive none of that. It's got to go in Jesus' name. The president's uh, decision and announcement, I expect you will hear from him before May 1st. He has been consistent and clear that it is operationally challenging to get troops out by May 1, which is not a deadline he put in place. Uh, it is a timeline put in place by the prior administration. Uh, and there are certainly conditions on the ground, including efforts on diplomacy, efforts to uh, negotiate with the Taliban that have been underway for the last several weeks. But he will you will certainly hear from him. Uh, and once you do, we can actually have a conversation about where we go from here. Go ahead. Thanks, Jeff. Um, given the narrow majorities in the House and the Senate right now, does the president think enacting universal background checks this year is doing? I think the president is going to leave the analysis of what's viable and doable to all of you and people on the outside. Uh, and certainly he's not vote counting himself, but he has he is also clear eyed about the challenges in moving forward with legislation with the current makeup of the Senate. He is going to continue to advocate for that, as he did just today, just this morning in the Rose Garden, surrounded by some of the bravest and most courageous uh, advocates for gun uh, control, gun safety legislation in the country. Uh, but he also is not going to wait. And he, that's why he took action on uh, announced several steps that can be taken in the form of executive actions, in the form of guidance, uh, and in the form of nominating uh, someone to lead the ATF because he feels you can't wait and he's going to use the power of his presidency to take steps forward. It's a little bit of what Zeke was getting at. I mean, we have a jobs cabinet now. We have face-to-face -face and Zoom meetings ongoing with Republicans and Democrats on infrastructure. Should we anticipate a gun control cabinet or meetings with Republicans about this issue? I certainly would anticipate the president will raise this issue in a range of conversations he has with members of Congress. This obviously is slightly different given the role of the attorney general in measures on gun safety and as is evidenced by the fact that he was present there today. So it's a bit different from a jobs cabinet, but I can assure you for members where this is appropriate or it's an appropriate role for them to play for members of the administration in the White House and otherwise to communicate with members of Congress, that will certainly continue to be at the top of our list. A few other unrelated things real quick. Uh, the U.S. and Iran are engaged in indirect nuclear talks this week. Mm -hmm. Will Americans detained in Iran be part of those discussions? Uh, certainly, Americans detained in Iran is an issue that we have raised with partners around the world and those who are having direct discussions uh, with the Iranians. In terms of the 
focus and content of these discussions. I know they'll do a readout when they conclude the meetings, uh, likely tomorrow. And beyond what Secretary Blinken, I know he held a meeting with families or representatives of the early on, is mm -hmm. you give us a sense of what else may be ongoing in this regard? In, in the effort to get uh, Americans who are detained, uh, you know, the uh, efforts would certainly be led by our diplomats uh, and our negotiators out of the State Department, hence your reference to Secretary of State Tony Blinken. And obviously these discussions are often raised through different channels we have with the Iranians, given the fact that we're not currently having direct talks on, on even uh, issues like the nuclear negotiations. Uh, but I'm not going to have an update beyond that from here. Tomorrow, the Army Corps of Engineers will be at a federal court hearing regarding the fate of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Mm -hmm. uh, is it the administration's belief that construction of that pipeline should continue? Uh, our view is that we would look at each pipeline uh, through each individual pipeline separately and do an analysis of the costs and benefits on the environment and uh, jobs, uh, which is my assumption would be happening here. So I don't have an assessment of that, but we we'll look at each of them individually. See, we get that tomorrow at the court hearing. Uh, I, I'm considering this given that the administration asked for more time, so I'm trying to figure out if we may get that. Uh, it wouldn't come from the White House, presumably, but I can certainly check if there's a, an expected timeline that we can share with right you. Go ahead. Uh, following up on the six question on the manufacturer liability bill, mm -hmm. the president just said that if God granted him one item on his to do list, it would be to get this done, to make it so the gun manufacturers can be held liable. It is something he promised on day one. It is day 78. What's the holdup here? There's no holdup. It just legislation needs to be reintroduced. Uh, there are a number of members uh, in Congress who are strong advocates for exactly what the president supports, uh, share his view about the impact, and uh, we're certainly hopeful and encourage them to move forward on that legislation, reintroduce it. But the president might promise to send his own plan. Yeah, it's clear that you're waiting to see how this works its way through Congress, but why not put out your own bill, lead the charge on this? He, he is leading the charge by advocating for this moving forward, by using the bully pulpit of his presidency and of the Rose Garden to advocate for this legislation moving forward. It is the role of Congress, of course, to... Pause. Did you hear that? Did anybody else hear that? What about that word they use, the bully pulpit? Uh, somebody tell me what is, what is wrong with that? What is the dealio? The bully pulpit. First of all, why are you calling the White House a pulpit? Think about this, Brian. Why are they calling it the pulpit? So, and why are you calling it a bully pulpit? Okay, so let's continue here push legislation forward to vote on it to move it through committees and he certainly is hopeful they'll do exactly that on this issue president did suggest recently that you know tackling this is a long-term issue as he put it given the recent shootings does he still see it that way does he still see this as a long-term issue i think he certainly sees it as an issue that we won't solve overnight so yes um he sees and is encouraged by uh the 
actions that we've seen uh, across states. Take red flag laws as an example. There are 19 states. Many have, have implemented those laws in just the last few years. We know that they're impactful. In many places, there's bipartisan support for that. What One of the announcements he made today was uh, that we will be putting forward guidance to make it easier for states to put forward those laws. He knows that sometimes the first action doesn't happen at the federal level. It can happen at the state level. We've certainly seen that on a range of issues, and we've seen that on uh, gun safety legislation as well. Uh, so he's he's encouraged by that, but knows that it can be a long journey. And has he been in touch with, with Leader Schumer about the next steps forward, especially on, the, on these bills that have passed the House? He, as you know, he's regularly in touch with Leader Schumer, who shares his uh, commitments and concerns about the impact of gun violence on our communities, on, on this country, uh, and uh, they certainly discuss this among a range of other issues. The president does actually have here the list of all the promises that he made uh, during the campaign of gun actions that he wanted to take. Obviously, you're doing what, what you think you can uh, unilaterally leading for these measures to work its way through Congress. Does the president feel that he's doing everything he can to meet the scope of these commitments right now? Well, today the administration announced initial actions to address gun violence. Uh, there will be more. That is absolutely his commitment. And he also... Uh, will use the power of his presidency, his voice, uh, his political will uh, to uh, advocate for uh, actions in Congress. He also recognizes that there are incredible roles to be played by many of the gun safety groups and leaders that were here today who have helped pass laws in states across the country on everything from background checks to red flag laws, uh, uh, efforts that have had a, a measurable impact in states to reduce incidents of gun violence, of homicide, of suicide as a result of guns. So he will remain engaged with those groups and those leaders as well, and he will work out. Hold on here a minute. She is saying that he had regulations in the red flag gun laws, which we know that started from President Trump. I have to remind everybody again, that started back in August of uh, 2019 over those El Paso shootings. And uh, you notice how he's saying, how she is saying that he is wanting to do this because of suicides and all this other stuff. So it used to be that you wanted to stop the ban assault weapons. Now you're just wanting to take guns, period. Well, don't forget, Brad, that what I've been telling you about President Trump last year, it was last year. It was April or May of last year when his administration signed off on the UN's uh, gun agenda. I did, I showed you that in the broadcast. So they're all in this, and it is coming because it was on the website of the UN website all the way up until this year, until Biden took over. Uh, they had that gun on there, it was tied up, you know, where they want to take the guns. So it is, Brad, on their agenda because they do not want you to be an independent country, period. 
They want all of you to do like Taylor Swift tells you to do, and that's to sit down, shut up, be quiet. And then <laughs> think about it. The way that she painted every one of you to be stupid and dumb. That is how they think. All right, well, let's continue here. Let's continue. I'm just cleaning out my office here. Here we go. On this, uh, on through many levers. Go ahead, Caitlin. With these ghost guns, they can basically be bought, printed, and assembled at home. So how is the president confident that this rule can be enforced? Well, it's a rule that is being put in place by the Department of Justice. Uh, it is certainly a step to make that more difficult to regulate uh, an area of gun production that has not been regulated previously. So it's something that will have to be worked through, through law enforcement officials around the country, through the Department of Justice. Right, but if you're like doing it at your house, how are they going to know to be able to enforce that? Well, there's the purchase of kits, of course, that's part of it. Um, but certainly putting in place steps to make it more difficult, to make it harder, to regulate uh, the ability to gain access to uh, ghost guns, ghost gun kits is certainly a step forward. Interview. Okay. Um, my other question is on the ATF nominee. When is he expected to formally nominate David Chipman to this role? Uh, put forward his uh, nomination to Congress. I would I would expect quite soon. I don't think there's any reason for a delay of that. I will say that um, David Chipman, who for others who are not as familiar with his background, because I know there's been a Twitter about him uh, out there, but uh, he has 25 years of experience at the ATF. He has helped uh, with the 1993 World Trade Center bomb. He helped invest. He helped while he was there. Uh, there were investigations into the World Trade Center bombing and Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, he's overseen complex firearms trafficking cases, and he is a gun owner himself. So the presidency is there's no one better to lead the ATF. He's certainly looking forward to putting his nomination forward, and I expect there would be no delay in that. Given his history as a gun control advocate, is the White House worried that this is going to be an uphill? Do y'all notice how all these questions have to do with this agenda they're trying to... I mean, is there not other questions that are more... <laughs> Think about it, Brian. This whole thing is a farce. <laughs> what in the world? All right, well, let's continue. <laughs> uh battle to get him confirmed well it's up to congress he's also somebody who has he has certainly been an advocate for gun safety measures but he also has 25 years of experience at the atf he's been involved in uh playing he's played a pivotal role in investigations he is a gun owner himself so uh he has a broad swath of qualifications and certainly we believe he's somebody who should be seriously considered by congress so you're confident he can get confirmed well that's up to the senate we the president gets to pick who he wants to nominate he's nominated somebody who's qualified who has decades of experience who is a gun owner himself and it is up to the senate to decide if they move forward with his nomination well i want to tell you all this today i interviewed a lady that uh was here from California and she was actually in the Las Vegas shootings. She was there right in front of the stage and she gives us firsthand account of what happened 
that interview will be released next week. I almost cried listening to this woman. But one thing I can tell you for sure that's a, a little spoiler alert is that that really did happen. It was, you know how some people were like, oh, it's just a, that's a conspiracy, that's a false flag. Which, I mean, it may have been a false flag, but they were saying it like it was a false event. It didn't happen. They made it all up. Well, this woman will tell you she was there with her friends, and she will give you the whole story uh, next week when we get all the video put together. But it's a very good, interesting uh, interview. But I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, we do this interview at the same time they're trying to take our guns, you know. But I'll tell you something else she said, too. She doesn't believe it was one shooter. You know how a lot of us thought, there's no way. I mean, even when you watch the videos, you're like, what the world? There has to be more than one. It just looks like they're coming from all over the place. And she said there was over a thousand bullets, Brad. You'll have to hear the interview. It's unbelievable. But anyways, all right, let's go ahead and continue with this. Sorry, is on the refugee cap that the president has proposed raising to 62500 but he's not actually formally signed the paperwork yet. Is the White House still committed to raising that cap to 62500 by this fiscal year? Yes. And so we should expect that before October. And it might change from 62500 is my other question. I didn't anticipate that. It is, that it would change, I should say. It is, uh, remains, the president remains committed to raising the cap. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I follow you on Caitlin. Have you, um, have you counted the votes? Do you think that Chipman can be confirmed by Democrats alone? It seems as though there may be at least one Democrat who I can think of who has a decent grade with the NRA and may not support an ATF director. Um, are there any Republicans that you could win over? Or is this going to be a nomination that languishes like so many other ATF directors have in the past? We're certainly familiar with the history. The president would not... When I was a kid, my dad worked two full-time jobs, and that's how he put food on the what table. What the I word? learned from him work ethic, I learned from him sacrifice. I have nominated him if he didn't <laughs> think he was qualified and didn't think he was someone that the Senate, members of both parties, should uh, give fair hearing to, seriously consider uh, confirming. But we just announced his nomination today, so I don't have an assessment of the legislative outlook quite yet. Um, quickly, when is the... Uh address to a joint session of office. Have you figured out that or the logistics on that? What it'll look like? I can't wait till we can announce this. I, I, <laughs> I'm with you. We can all share our joy on that. We are still working through and finalizing the date, the logistics. The president remains committed to delivering a joint session. We're working with leaders in Congress to finalize that. We certainly hope we'll have more to say soon. General Matt Motors has halted production in North America at several factories um, and extended shutdowns because of this semiconductor chip shortage. Yeah. Um, it's disrupting the auto industry, and, and I'm wondering, um, are there any short-term measures that the federal government can take to help with the shortage? Is there anything that can be done? Well, let me first say that... Um, we fully recognize that this is an issue that is impacting industries across the country, including the auto industry. Uh, 
Earlier this year, um, the president held a meeting in his office with a bipartisan, bicameral uh, group. He continues to work. He feels there's opportunity to work with members of both parties on addressing uh, what is a very challenging issue for many industries. There's a, there's a 100-day review that is ongoing, uh, which we plan to share the outcome of with the American people soon. And we're certainly looking through that review at um, undertaking, the review is focused, I should say, on undertaking uh, the first ever whole government approach to building a resilient, diverse, and secure supply chain uh, to help address this issue for the long term, uh, so that we are not just dealing with a short-term emergency. Um, the, uh, the president has also proposed, uh, inc included, I should say, $50 billion to create an office at the Commerce Department dedicated to monitoring domestic industrial capacity uh, because he recognizes that this is an issue that we will need to continue to address. And finally, next week, there's going to be a meeting uh, led by our NEC director and our national security advisor with a number of uh, companies. We should have more details on, hopefully by tomorrow for all of you, to help discuss, get some private sector input on how to address this issue. So this is something that there is a great deal of focus on at the highest level across government. Go ahead. Just following up what Tam said, um, in the president's meeting, the president's supposed to meet with the Japanese prime minister mm -hmm. next Friday, and I'm wondering if he'll ask Japan to place restrictions on exports of semiconductor chips to China. Well, he is meeting with the Japanese prime minister, to, as, as we've confirmed, uh, next Friday. Um, I certainly expect uh, semiconductors and shortage to be a part of that discussion, but we're just not going to get ahead of the agenda of that. I expect they'll they'll have remarks uh, and take questions following the meeting. And just one more thing, Jen. Um, the president has said that next week he intends to host lawmakers in the Oval Office mm -hmm. once they're back from recess. I wonder if you could give us any preview of whether that whether or not that will include Democrats, Republicans, what type of outreach that will look like. I, I expect we'll have both Democrats and Republicans attend uh, or join. And once we have confirmation of attendees, we'll share that information with all of you. Go ahead. Do you expect that to lead to some recommendations on what to do about this problem? I, I would say, Steve, that it's part of our effort. And again, it's led by the National Security Advisor and our, our Director of the National Economic Council. So it shows you what a priority this is to the president uh, to have a discussion about best practices, what they're, uh, how it's, uh, the shortage is impacting their industries, take that information back as part of our 100-day review. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm predicting an outcome or an announcement immediately coming out of it as much as it's part of our consulting processes we're working to address uh, an issue that's impacting a range of industries. There's some complication to raising the refugee camp cap. We've been hearing about this for a couple of months now. Uh, no, I, we remain committed to it. Um, and I know there's a question about signing, signing the paperwork, but it remains a commitment. And uh, when it's signed, we will update all of you on that as well. There's been an escalation of violence in Northern Ireland. Are you aware of this? You have yes. a response to the city. You we do. You touch with the parties. Uh, we do. Um, we are concerned by the violence in Northern Ireland. We join the British, Irish, and Northern Irish leaders in their calls for calm. We remain steadfast supporters of a secure and prosperous Northern Ireland in which all communities have a voice and enjoy the gains of the hard-won peace. We welcome the provisions in both the EU-UK Trade and Cooperation Agreement and the Northern Ireland Protocol, which help protect the gains of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. At this point, I would expect that um, engagements and discussions are at the level of the State Department, um, and I expect my colleague over there will see if he has an update on those engagements today in his briefing. Go ahead, Francesca. Just 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced a lawsuit today against the CDC and the federal government demanding that cruise liners be able to operate again. And Florida's Attorney General said the suit was filed this morning against those entities and HHS pushing to have the government's conditional sale order declared unlawful. Does the White House have a response to Florida's lawsuit? We don't have a direct response to a lawsuit nor a comment on a specific legal action, but I will just reiterate that the CDC guidance is based on uh, data and health and medical uh, guidelines. Uh, hence, uh, that's why they put it out and why they regularly update it. The president has set forth July 4th as the date you'd like to see Americans who are vaccinated be able to gather in small groups. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the CDC said last week that there is a low risk for vaccinated Americans who travel. So does the president think it's an appropriate timeline of July 4th? That's what the cruise industry, specifically Norwegian uh, travel, is asking for is for the July 4th date here. We would defer to the CDC uh, on any updated guidelines, uh, but I don't anticipate that, but I would defer to them on uh, any, um, uh, any any expectation they have of changing those guidelines. Again, they base them on uh, health and medical uh, experts who work at the CDC, on base, they base them on data. The president's uh, announcement on July 4th has nothing to do with cruise lines, as you know. It has to do with uh, incentivizing, encouraging Americans to get access to the vaccine when they can get vaccinated. As we know, by the end of May, we will have enough vaccine supply to ensure every adult American can be vaccinated. So that's more about gathering, small gatherings in your backyards, which is quite different from cruises, of course. Ideas. 
uh, including around issues like salt, and that will be a part of the negotiations moving forward. Another question is before President Biden took office, he got a letter from advocates, uh, uh, safety advocates who lost loved ones in truck crashes. Mm -hmm. Truck crashes are about 35% of the last 10 years. They asked them to support certain provisions, technology to reduce crashes. Those, those uh, technologies, including automatic. Brock, I'm, I mean, Brock, Brian, I'm going to show you something else. Hold it, hold it. Somebody just showed me this. I was like, what? All right, let me put this over here. I'm still, Brian, just to let you know, I'm still learning. Let me add this to the list of things I want to show you. I feel bad now because I told them on Facebook I was done with the news, and I'm really not. I got a little bit more I can show you. Hold on. Well, I got 45 still with me. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, Brandon, that is so sad. He said about... Brandon said everybody he's talked to lately has already been vaccinated. That is so sad. Okay, well, let's go ahead and look at this, Brian. This is about, they're talking about uh, Klaus Schwab. He is the president of the World Economic Forum. Look what he says here. You remember how uh, Biden and them, they're going to endorse, I mean, they're going to... Uh, Purchase masks for everybody. Remember that broadcast? Well, here they are. Look at this. Okay. They're introducing the ultimate mask, and the globalists are pushing that narrative that this is the not is the new normal. Introducing, drum roll, the smart mask. And what does this miracle mask do? It measures your breathing. It tells you when to wash it. It tells you whether you're wearing it properly. It measures your breathing rate. It's If too much carbon dioxide is built up inside, it tells you to take some fresh air. It alerts you if you forgot to put it on with a smart sensor linked to the phone. Are you believing this? Yes, Cheryl, you know what it is. You know what it is. This is how they got technology in a mask. I am not believing this. Who would ever wear this? Who would? Seriously. Oh. Uh, 
It alerts you if you forgot to put it on with a smart sensor linked to the phone. The Breath Tech S3 is sustainable and includes biodegradable and recyclable components. Disposable masks have become a major environmental problem. <laughs> so now they're having to get these. Wow. This, uh, we spent $166 billion on them worldwide in 2020. About 75% of them will end up in a landfill. Are you believing this? Or the ocean. Solutions like this could tackle the problem. Helping the planet to breathe a little easier. What are your ideas to fight the world's most pressing? And you can guess where this miracle mask is being manufactured. Yep, China. I wonder if I, if it can be tweaked by the user. Governor Gavin Newsom would certainly love to get a message on his phone that the press is nearby and he should probably don the contraption for a photo shoot. Technology is the end game. Part one, slaves on a digital plantation. Huh, she's got a little... So they are killing many of us and enslaving the rest. When our kids were playing Atari games in the 80s, I would have never foreseen for technology enslaving humanity. I'm telling you. But it's happening. Brethren, we have such an amazing hope, even in the midst of this pandemic and now the push to make those of us who refuse to get the vaccine to be made feel like prize in our own families. Even now, we have eternal hope in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is right. That is. That is right. Okay, let's check out this new. Uh, new little smart mask. Let's check this out. What the word. All right, let's see what this is here. Breath tech. The world's first sustainably designed face mask. Safe, smart, and sustainable. Look at this, Brian. Did you know $166 billion were spent on disposable masks in 2020? 75% of these used masks and pandemic-related waste ends up in landfills or floating in seas. It's time to redefine our relationship with masks. Can a mask be safe, stylish, and sustainable? Introducing BreathTech SQ, the world's first sustainably designed face mask to use respiration sensor technology. Cover up your whole SQ face. Incorporates a highly efficient filtration layer capable of filtering 98% of one micron particles with a fluid antibacterial barrier, creating a safe breathing experience. State-of-the-art respiration sensor technology measures mask fit and usage with active mobile notifications guaranteeing real-time safety. The what? mask incorporates 100% cellulose-based materials and biodegradable materials, making it environmentally friendly. Measured washing alerts will increase mask lifespan and responsible disposal instructions will ensure a sustainable impact on the environment. 
BreathTech SQ seamlessly connects to a proprietary mobile application where breathing rate, mask fit, mask usage, carbon dioxide buildup, sensor battery levels, and COVID-19 alerts notify the user in real time. Breathe safe, ah! breathe stylishly, and what a farce! BreathTech SQ safety in style. What a farce! Absolutely not. Who do these people think we are? Look at this. All right, let's just talk. Oh. Oh, approved, approved by the World Economic Forum. You can't make this up. You cannot make this stuff up that they would approve something like that. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think about it, Brian? Uh, smart. Okay, let me ask you this, Brian. We know what they're doing with this sensor technology. You know, now they want these kids to put these phones by their, they want to put this app on there. And they've got apps that will monitor children while they sleep. And it will let them know because it, it reads their sensors all night. If they have a problem sleeping, if they have a problem with their breathing, don't you want your kids <laughs> crazy? Don't you want your kids' brain, your their brain waves being read by this thing? Now here's the sad thing, Brian. I'm telling you this with all seriousness. You know, some people could say, well. The only reason you don't like any of this is you're just an old woman. You just don't know what you're talking about. You know, and you're just afraid of technology. Well, let me just inform you, young lady, that I was the first one on the Internet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was, though, in my whole circle. I was on this thing when they first come out. I'm all about technology. Let me tell you. But I believe in the word of God more than I do technology. And I know that we have been warned for many, many years about this day. And that the Bible has parameters that we have to live by. So we can, we can enjoy technology up until a certain point. And we have reached that point. And so, like, we can have chips in our phones and chips in our credit cards and, you know, anything that's out there. But when you want to put a chip on the inside of us and you want to put them on the inside of humans, that's where we draw the line. 
that is where we draw the line, people. Just to let all you people know that's listening that have no idea why we're refusing this thing. It's because we... Um, we just believe that what the Bible says, and uh, we cannot go any further with this. And uh, we have already made our mind up that we're willing to go all the way about it. And so I believe, Bride, that the World Economic Forum and all the powers that be, basically, okay, they all know this as well. They know there are some of you that they are not going to change your mind. So you know that before all this started, that they are going to, you know, that they're going to have a challenge with the church. So they've already figured this thing out, how they're going to do it. Just like what I was telling you, Brad, that they're not going to come up and say, hey, we are now the UN. We are no longer America. So you got to like it or be quiet. No, they're going to ease it on you like a frog in a pot. And they're going to slowly just take this ride and take this ride and change this and change that. And, you know, I still remember what O. Celeste told me when I interviewed her last year. She said that they know that if they can keep the five most important things going, that you'll never know all the other ways that they are gutting you. If they can keep your cable, your cell phone, your lights, and gas, and something else, you know, but if they can keep you to where you can move around, to where you can you know, uh, have your cell phone and still, you know, if you can keep these like things that will just keep you going, that you will not even know any of the laws they're changing or any of that. So that's how they do. But I'll tell you this right now. They know they got a battle on their hands with the church. And this is why I did the broadcast the other day where I showed you, Brad, all the ways that they're coming after white supremacy. All right, so now we've seen this farce of a mask, a big fat farce. We do not accept it, people. So, uh, there you go. All right, let's go to this next little thing I'm going to show you here. O'Brien on our chat made the announcement that uh, Fort Campbell, now that DARPA is testing robot soldiers at Fort Campbell. So I thought I'm going to check this out and look what come up. These two Army BCTs will be the first to put robotic vehicles The, the first major autonomous robotic vehicle. And this was back in April of 2018. And then August 6, 
testing in mass, 4,000 Fort Campbell Stripe Brigade. Hmm. Well, let me tell you something, Brad. Let me tell you something. Their technology that they all have is so far advanced than what we know. It is just unbelievable. Okay, I want to address something about what was said today in the White House press briefing. Okay, she was talking about the American Jobs Plan. Now, we know they just passed the American Rescue Plan. Now, the American Rescue Plan, we know, was for COVID and to line up the next 10 years, Brad. The next 10 years budget for the Agenda 2030 plan. And remember, I told you, I said, how can they do this legally? How can they, on a four-year presidential bid, how can you go in there and put a budget in that's going to take us all the way to 2030? You know, it's because they're all together. That's the reason why. So let's kind of look, because she was talking about this today, about the American Jobs Plan. So let me just look at this a minute. While the American Rescue Plan is changing the course of the pandemic and delivering relief for working families, this is no time to build back to the way things were. This is what I was telling you about President Trump. See, now the more I think about it, he is just, he's making a mockery of us. Because to all the people watching, he is supposed to be fighting for the people that want to go back. They're not going back. They are going forward. So you know they're just laughing at all the people that try to partner with him. This is the moment to reimagine and rebuild a new economy. The American Jobs Plan is an investment in America that will create millions of good jobs, rebuilding our country's infrastructure, and position the United States to outcompete China. Wow. So there you go. Using the China dialect. Public domestic investment as a share of the economy has fallen by more than 40% since the 60s. The American Jobs Plan will invest in America in a way we have not invested since we built the interstate highways and won the space race. So in other words, Brad, they are getting ready to do... Um, they're getting ready to do it. They're going to increase the infrastructure. They're going to, I mean, they're going to put in the entire surveillance grid and that'd probably be done by the end of this year. Oh, it's sad, Freedom. That is really sad. Fix highways, rebuild bridges, upgrade ports, airports, and transit systems. 
The president's plan will modernize 20,000 miles of highways, roads, and many street main streets. <laughs> They're going to put internet everywhere. The new systems, cameras everywhere. You know, I saw a program I was watching with my grandson the other day. And we was looking at robots. Do you know that they're building these robots with cameras in their knees? Cameras in their, in their, everywhere, all up and down the robot. So, like, if you see a robot that just, like, say if you bought one to help your granny or whatever, and it had three cameras, you know, in its chest or on the forehead, yeah, that's just one. They probably have them all over that thing. Did you find robot dogs at Tyndale Air Force Base? Where was Tyndale? Where is Tyndale? Let's see here. And Brad, are you not wondering the same thing I am about where they're getting all this money? Think about it. You know, when President Trump took over, we didn't have no money, did we? And now all of a sudden, we got so much money, we're just throwing it around everywhere. Renewed electric grid, huh? Uh-huh, high-speed broadband to all Americans. Look at that. They're going to change all the pipes and service lines in our water systems. Wow. This is so scary. Build, preserve, and retrofit more than 2 million homes and commercial buildings. Modernize our nation's schools and child care facilities and upgrade veterans. Can y'all believe that they are doing a literal overhaul of our country, Brad? They are literally going to redo every building. This is unbelievable. They are going, everything, they're going to put in this new glass that is going to be, have the internet in the glass. Oh, I see what you're saying, Pinker, uh-huh. This is crazy. President Biden's plan will create good jobs, building, rehabilitating, and retrofitting affordable, accessible, energy efficient, and resilient housing, commercial buildings, schools, and child care facilities all over the country while also vastly improving nationals, our nation's federal facilities, especially those that serve veterans. Uh 
solidify the infrastructure of our care economy. That's something we learn too. By creating jobs and raising wages and benefits for essential home care workers. These workers, the majority of whom are women of color, have been underpaid and undervalued for too long. The president's plan will make substantial investments in the infrastructure of our care economy. Starting by creating new and better jobs for caregiving workers, his plan will provide home and community-based care for individuals who otherwise would need to wait as many as five years to get the services they badly need. You know what? How much you want to bet that's not robots? How much you want to bet? Hmm. Let's look at something, Bride. Y'all done got me going. Let's look at something. Let's go over here to YouTube. There's old Steve. What is the name of this I was looking up? Let's look up. Uh, care economy. Carrying forward the global care economy and its future. Mm-hmm, it's all economy is care. All right, let's see what this is. Surely you know that economy is important. After all, you yourself are a part of the economy just by working, consuming, and being employed. Ultimately, you want to live the best possible life you can. That's what the economy is for. But these days, many people have the feeling that something is going wrong. Something very basic, but what exactly? So let's start from the beginning. Imagine you are a baby. You are dependent upon the people around you to provide you with food, protection, and affection. But then you hear these people saying, we'll only do this if we get paid. Nobody works for free. The baby will have to wait until the money is in the bank. Would you still be alive? If that had been their reaction, in order to survive, you need to be cared for by other people in the world. Ah. And this is not just the case for babies, but for all of us. Adults, too, are constantly in need of air, water, plants, and animals. And we are all dependent upon other people taking care of us in one way or another. This is why we cook meals for each other, build houses, nurse the sick, or extract raw materials from the earth. There are different words to sum up all the things humans do for each other. The circle. You can call it care. The circle economy. According to economics textbooks, economy is about nothing more than people be. Pause. Y'all are looking at the circle economy. That's exactly what I thought. The care economy is the circle economy. This is terrible, Brad. It's socialism on a stick. 
That's all it is. We the people, I've been telling you, we the people. This is what this is. I told you, you own nothing. Everybody's going to have to chip in. Think about it like this, bro. Think about it like we work. All right, you have all these, everybody's under one building, but everybody's got, oh man, this is telling me about the infrastructure of the UN. It's the same thing. Everybody's got their own business, like their own separateness a little bit, but it will be everybody has to come together for the major stuff. You see? What? I've only got 19 likes. I agree with you, Freedom. They are... Hey, there's an actual word for it, Freedom. <clears throat> because this thing was up to 20-something. Or I want everybody to like this video. Because they are messing with my numbers, just to let all y'all know. They actually have a term for it, which I'm going to show you because we learned it at the, at the conference. But Freedom said, I'm being shadowed on YouTube tonight. I hit the thumbs up and it tallies two. I removed the thumbs up and it takes away two. Shadow. Well... They're fudging numbers, just to let you know, uh, when they don't like you type of deal. But anyways, I want to go back and finish this because I want you to understand, Brad, what this circular economy is, because this is what they are doing. I have a good grasp of it, but I don't know if you, if, if you know uh exactly what the circle is because this is what the world is that they're going into i mean a lot of us will not make it in there if not all of us won't make it in but this is where they're going all right watch this being able to get what they need so economy is in fact the same thing as care okay so let's flip open the business and finance section of the newspaper. What do we find? Economy? It's all about growth rates, balances, taxes, or financial crisis. It's all about money. Nobody's talking about what human beings need to live. Why is it this way? To answer this question, let us take a trip to ancient times. Back then, more than 2,000 years ago, it was... No, it's not called shadow banning. No, that's something totally different. No, but going back to this, let me say my thought here before I forget it. Okay, this circle, circular world, okay? I told you, Brad, you're not going to make money. Money is going to be gone the way we've ever known money. Okay. 
It is going to be obedience to the beast. Of course, they're not going to say that. But that is what it is. If you do stuff the way that they tell you to do it, you get points. You get rewarded. And this is how the Bitcoin works as well. It's a reward system, which is really the social credit system. But notice how they're wording it here. Oh, when it was a world of money, they didn't care for other people who didn't have money. So really the economy is about people. People really, Brad, that's what they're saying. People is the economy. The economy is care. I try, Heather. Economy is care. Which means if you love your neighbor, you'll get more money. So, here's the problem about that. How do you love your neighbor? Well, you turn them in. If, if you have people that is hurting my neighbor because you won't get the V, I'm turning you in because I'm loving my neighbor. You're hurting my neighbor. I'm going to look out for my neighbor. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So pay attention to how they are describing this in here because this is what where they're going. And Watching this bride, it'll show you what a farce President Trump is. Now that you see how it's all coming together, you'll see how he is being used as a distraction measure and to keep them people believing a false image, which is what I told everybody last Friday. He's getting them to believe a false image while they're being rammed into this. Watch this. You can call it care, or you can call it the economy. According to economics textbooks, economy is about nothing more than people being able to get what they need. So economy is in fact the same thing as care. Okay, so let's flip open the business and finance section of the newspaper. What did we find? Economy? It's all about growth rates, balances, taxes, or financial crisis. It's all about money. It's talking about what human beings need to live. Why is it this way? To answer this question, let us take a trip to ancient times. Back then, more than 2,000 years ago, it was clear that certain people could own other people, namely slaves, women, and children. These people had to cook, to clean, to work in the fields, or to nurse the elderly. The women had to bring children into the world and raise them. Nobody had to pay them, as they were the property of their masters. Their work was unpaid and taken advantage of, as if it was a gift of Mother Nature. Today, slavery has been officially abolished. Child labor is forbidden, and women are considered emancipated. Yet somehow, we seem to have got used to certain things costing money and others not. And that we mainly value what it brings in or is measured by money. This is why, in the business section of the newspaper, 
everything's about money. Let's now have a closer look at the proportion of paid and unpaid work. Recent surveys show that all around the world, more unpaid than paid work is being done, above all by women in private households. In India, for instance, women do 10 times more unpaid work than men. In Europe and North America, women also do more unpaid work than men. So it's mainly women and more and more migrants who do unpaid and badly paid work. We're talking in large parts about duties essential for our existence, vital work otherwise known as care work. Care work? But haven't we established that care and the economy are one and the same? Despite this, care work gets so little attention? One thing's for sure, without care work, babies wouldn't survive. But also adults, particularly elderly people, are dependent on care. But are we dependent on all the things that are bought and sold around the world? A new smartphone every year, a sports car with so much horsepower, eight seasons of new fashion every year. Do all these things fulfill real needs? One thing is clear, an economy that isn't care is mismanagement of our economy. We can see the negative consequences every day in the news. Poverty on one side, pointless waste on the other, social unrest and war, pollution and climate change. What is going wrong? They tell us that the economy is all about the fulfillment of human needs. But in fact, everybody is running after them. This isn't sustainable and cannot function. So, what can we do? First of all, we can ask the economists to set their expertise aside and look at the entire view. Then we can think again what the economy is all about. It's about a good life for all, now and in the future, in a healthy, natural habitat. Money will no longer be the center of this economy. How would it be if we already lived in an economy today that didn't place money, but rather our needs in the center? We would rid ourselves of many worries. We could quietly do what's necessary. Carefully accompany babies into real life. Produce useful things and see that everybody gets what she needs. Give this thought a chance. Think about it. What does this... All right, so now do you see, Brad, we the people. You can see it. This is the new world that they're creating. What? It is 12 a.m. in the morning. You're kidding. I cannot believe it is this late. Well, I wanted to show you something else real quick. Well, that just shows you right here the reason that we read that is because this is in here. Solidify the infrastructure of our care economy by creating jobs and raising wages and benefits for our essential home care workers. They are fun. They are building this new world, Brad, right in front of our eyes. 
train America for the jobs of the future, create good quality jobs. Cause they talked about it at the uh, world economic forum, how it's going to really be up to the government to retrain society. That's the way they talked about it. And now we see this is what they're going to do. So now I've showed you, Brad, this is, uh, where they're going and what they're going to do. Okay, so let's move on to the next thing I want to show you real quick. Okay, why COVID-19 conspiracy theorists persist? Daniel Roberts had a vaccination since he was six. Has not had one since he was six. No boosters, no tetanus shots. His parents taught him that they were dangerous, and when the CV arrived, they called it a hoax. The vaccine, they said, was a real threat. So when the 29-year-old Tennessee man got his shot at the local Walmart last month, it felt like an achievement, a break from his past. Are y'all believing this, Brad? So when the 29-year-old Tennessee man got his shot at the local Walmart last month, he felt like it was an achievement, a break with his past. 500,000 people have died in this country. That's not a hoax, he said. Speaking of the conspiracy theories embraced by family members and friends, I don't know why I didn't believe all of myself. I guess I chose to believe the facts. Sheila, okay, let me address this, Miss Sheila. She says uh, the states are going to fight back when they realize this scam. What do you mean by scam? Okay. Uh, they're not going to fight the UN. It's all headed towards this. So I don't see this, the states fighting back. They're all, they've all, listen, all these people they got in office right now is who they wanted in there to pull this off. So they are, they are doing their plan. All right, so let's see here. All right, let's go to the, na the next thing. I wanted to show you what they call this, Brad. We learned this in the conference. YouTube downrank downranks you. This is the word they use for how they do me on my numbers. The way they take away numbers. Because looky here. YouTube to downrank false 5G-related videos which link to coronavirus report. YouTube is taking attempts to curb misinformation as it tries to, look at this, Brad, suppress content related to conspiracy theories. YouTube will suppress videos which spread misinformation or theories 
conspiracy theories which link 5G to the V. The move comes as the UK experiences cases of arson in the UK due to 5G's link to the V. Downranking or downplaying means reducing visibility, Luke Bride. Reducing visibility as a result of what which the videos add revenue gets reduced by 70%. YouTube, in a bid to curb misinformation, is going to downrank videos which are linking 5G to the virus. YouTube said that it will downplay the content or reduce visibility of videos showing misleading information about the CV. The videos which will not adhere to YouTube's policies will be considered as borderline content and will be subject to suppression. That is the word for it. Suppression. They're suppressing me. Okay. Uh, moreover, these videos will lose advertising revenue and be removed from search results on the platform. So in other words, Brad, they, they dumb you down all the way to stop you from, you know, going with any, getting any type of help or where, you know, you think that you're moving ground. All right, look at this bride and then I'll get off here. Circular economy, circle economy. One of you in the chat room said that there, this is going to be the new economy, that the new uh, currency is going to be called circle. So I looked it up and look what I come up with. Okay, we know that by this symbol doing this shows that this is an AI website. Okay, so we enable cities and businesses in the practical and scalable implementation of the circular economy. How to launch a rental or resale business model in 10 months, a step-by-step -step guide for apparel brands launching April 1st. Coming soon, the circular tool, toolbox for apparel brands. So this is obviously here to help people adjust to the new circular economy, your business. Building the business case for circular business models, the rental. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they got here. Program services digital. Using digital to accelerate and scale the circular economy. About digital. Our vision is to create a future in which anyone powering the circular economy has access to the data and knowledge they need. To make responsible and informed decisions, we need to make data more accessible across sectors and regions. Building knowledge channels for dissemination. Governments and businesses around the world are increasingly demanding knowledge to accelerate their transition to the circular economy. 
To respond to the demand, we must first create a common understanding of circularity, economies, and impact, aligning measurements, evidence, and efforts. Oh, this will be good, Bride. Global Data Alliance. Oh, let me tell you something. During the uh, World Economic Conference that we was just in, they said this many times about this alliance. So this video is legit. We got to hear this. It's only a minute long. 2020 is the beginning of a decade of global action. It's make or break for humanity and your planet. Around the world, governments are committed. Cities are setting targets. Businesses are taking responsibility. People big and small are demanding change. But it's not enough. We must do more. And you're wondering, what can we do? To direct positive change, we need measurements. See the mesh. In the current data, we have to harness our collective intelligence to power sustainable transitions. We must. Pause. Brad, there's so much in this that I know. Let me back this up. I'm going to tell you in my language what I see. Okay, I'm going to take her off talking and I'm going to tell you what I see in my, my understanding of this. You ready? All right, the time is now. Okay, they're all protesting. They're all coming together. Uh, because look at that sign. Capitalism kills the planet. Because the circular economy is against capitalism. It's against the way that we think the white evangelical world. Okay, let's continue. Let's see. Okay, the fires. All of this is out of control because of how we have abused our planet. Okay. Look at all the junk down there with the, the fishies because we have too much consumption and we're not taking care of our planet. Everybody's coming together in agreement now. Okay, you see there's so much symbolism in this image right here because they have got all these trees on these buildings. Now, there's one thing you could say about the 5G and the trees. We all know what happens. Those trees block the 5G radiation. You know, they help. Because it's sad, but they actually block it, apparently. Uh, but anyway, so they have all the trees on these buildings. And you know they're putting in smart cities everywhere. Notice the sea down here. Notice the sea for the circular. Uh-huh, the circles. Okay, riding the bicycles, you know, new ways of transfer, uh, transportation. Look how they're 
Uh, this, I think the reason they're doing these in these pipes like this is actually all of this. They keep, they show this in a lot of videos, Brad. And what this is, okay. Uh, what they're showing you right here, Brad, is this is consumption. We waste. We don't take care of our environment. Okay. So that's what that means right there. You're hurting the environment because we throw away everything. And now it's causing the climate change. So they're telling everybody, you've got to ask the satellites are showing that they are now following us. They are, uh, you know, tracking it. Oh, by the way, Brad, look at this right here. To all of you that are new to following me, this right here is what is happening legitly. This is called a mesh that is happening in all the cities. And it's where everything is connected, okay? The streets are connected to the lights, are connected to the cars, connected to the, the windows and the buildings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is connected. So that is a great example of what the mesh looks like. So really, when you think of a like a, a mesh fishnet, you know, like they cast in and to get fish, it's kind of like that, but it's a mesh of internet. That right there is internet, which is basically now AI. And it's covering the globe. Do you remember the broadcast the other day when I said, look at this UN logo? I do not understand. I cannot understand what that is on the front of the logo with the lines. But guess what, Brad? I found out what it was. It means tracking. Those lines over the globe means they are tracking the globe. I found that out because I was watching a show where they had a, a guy, a scientist out in a van, and he was tracking something. That's what it was. It was tracking. All right, let's continue. Now, this is what I wanted to tell you. These are swarms of robotic insects. So as they're talking about the advancement, these are robots. And they think this is a big advancement, okay? See, we're too much consumption. We're hurting the earth. And now they're connecting everything. Look. Now they're all coming together in agreement. Now it's all going up in the cloud. Join our data alliance. Okay. The circle symbol. On the window. 
Yes, I know, Cheryl. Amen. Thank you, Miss American Thinker. Well, that's all I have for you, Bride. I'm going to go home. Let's pray I don't get uh, pulled over this time, leaving this late. <laughs> so I will talk to you later, and y'all have a good evening. I will talk to you later, guys. Author and White House correspondent Dr. Hugh Knight has published 10 books. As she traveled the country in obedience to God's serving ministries, her books are about the Bride of Christ, preparing the church for the end of days, persecution, purity, and spiritual warfare. She even wrote a book revealing the pain and struggles of her own life called Testimony of a Broken Bride, Jesus is the True Husband. Her books hope to help families make right decisions in the coming days about the mark of the beast and to choose Jesus over the beast system. Released four books this year about current day situations such as judgment, technology, tribulation, days, and more. These four books released in April of 2020 after she left the White House and exposes what she knows about President Trump and the Antichrist agenda. These books reveal apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment and it's for the harvest. Dr. June reveals the great divide in the church in this hour due to the great deception. She explains what is the ecumenical movement, new apostolic reformation, and false religions. Exposes the one world religion agenda. Dr. June exposes the new world order and satanic agenda. This book exposes the lie of the new apostolic reformation evangelicals who have surrounded the president and is partnering with the beast system. This book chronicles 40 days of repentance and casting down 40 idols in our nation and church. This book reveals the biblical pattern of judgment and the current judgment. What is the pattern of God's judgment? Why does he judge? What is my role in this? This book discusses now that we know apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment. Where do we go from here? How do we prepare? What do we look for? What about technology? The human implantation chip, etc. So purchase the American Quad books today before they shut them down. Be alert. Be informed. Be equipped for the war ahead. Or go to www.gotreehouse.org and purchase all 10 of Dr. June's books today on sale. If you are interested in writing a book, please go to treehousepublishers.com.